Morning. My assignment is today, today is to launch us into our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, but just curious, how many of you were not here last Sunday to hear the New Year's Day message that I preached? You were not here. Can I just kind of get a quick reading? Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so I really think what I need to do is back up and uh, set into context what we're going to launch us into by talking about what I talked about last week. So, and if you heard it last week, it's not going to hurt you to hear some of it again. So we talked about New Year's resolutions, and I gave a statistic about what percentage of people actually fulfill their New Year's resolution. Somebody that was here, do you remember what that percentage was? 8%. Yeah, 8%. That's really bad. That's really low. Uh, but then we realized that Scripture kind of helps us see how that is. It deals with this very issue. And I read from Romans chapter 7, Verses 18 through 20, and I want us to see the message paraphrase of that. So uh, if you want to read along with me, let's read this passage again. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes I can will it, but I can't do it. Wow, listen to that. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. So as we look at a new year and this whole idea of trying to improve our lives, we realize we got this serious problem. Um, this southbound pull in our lives, sin. And last week I spent a lot of time talking about that, what that is and kind of where that takes us. And I'm not going to go through all of that again. But the bottom line is when we want to control ourselves and others and God and when we want to kind of push God out of the way, we find ourselves in a world of trouble. But the Bible has good news. It gives us a a solution to this predicament, this sin problem that we find ourselves in. And so I walk through what the Bible teaches us to do, which is number one, give it up. Quit trying to control yourself and others and God. Admit that you can't do it on your own. Resign as the CEO of your life. And when we do that, then God is free to come in to fill us with his love, to give us the power that we don't have in and of ourselves so that through his power, we don't have to live under the control of sin anymore. He can help us be what we can never be on our own if we'll just 
get out of the way and let him take over. So that's where it starts. And then I talked about walking with Jesus. And that's what this 21-day prayer and fasting challenge is all about. So I'm going to uh, just get back into that when I, when I launch into this. And then the third thing I talked about was find a mentor or a discipler. God has no intentions of making us have to figure all this out by ourselves. He wants us to have help. He wants us to have someone who is also walking with Jesus to come alongside of us, to invest in our lives, to meet with us, and to help us understand how to walk with Jesus, how to hear his voice, someone who can lovingly hold us accountable for the growth in our lives. And we're going to talk about that again in the context of this 21-day challenge. Now, before we leave that, I want to just make this point that I made last week. Remember when we talked about this disciple-making process, that the goal is not just for me to be discipled, but then for me to turn and disciple someone else just as I have been discipled. So we become a conduit of God's grace. That is God's plan to win the world one person at a time and uh, it's it's exciting to be a part of that I love being a part of that in the life in the context of this church and uh, I'm thrilled that that's kind of what we're about here okay so that brings us to today so we're launching this 21-day prayer and fasting challenge I hope everybody has one of these prayer guides if you don't would you please raise your hand because I'm going to refer to this a lot. So if you don't have one, just raise your hand real big and ushers uh, are prepared to get them in your hand. So I see several hands. Guys, if we can real quick just make sure that everybody has one of those. Just keep your hands up until we get one of those prayer guides into your hand, okay? Thanks, Terry. Thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. Can somebody, can one of the ushers head that way? There's some people, thanks Ron, and there's some right there. How about up in the balcony? There's some hands up in the balcony. Help! Can somebody go, Rich, or somebody, can you, oh, here, here's Mac, can you help us? Thank you. Yeah, it's really going to be important for everybody to have one of these, because like I said, I'm going to refer a lot to this. Uh, to this prayer guide so if you don't have one you're going to kind of feel left out so uh, I would say just kind of keep your hands raised if if nobody's gotten to you and keep working but I'm just going to go ahead and start okay can we do it that way all right so open it up and let's just read the first paragraph together welcome to 2017 and the 21 day challenge to pray and fast This experience will be more beneficial than a new budget, a new diet, or a new workout plan. There is great power in God's ability. It will be amazing to see all that takes place as we commit time and energy to be with our Lord. I want to do one disclaimer right off the bat. It always used to kind of bug me when I would see these 21-day or 40-day programs, and they would say, try this for 21 days. And I always wanted to say, what? 21 days? 
So I want to just tell you, we have no intention of asking you to pray for 21 days and then you're done. Okay, so that's not, that's not what we're about. It's just to get us started, okay? So just, just wanted to say that up front in case anybody thinks like sometimes I think. Um, so basically there's three things we're asking you to do. Our prayer team is leading this and they're asking you to do three things. Number one, to pray every day. Pray every day. Now for some of you, that's nothing different. You do that every day. You love spending that time with Jesus. But for some of you, it's not a part of your everyday experience. So we're asking you to make that decision to pray every day, to spend that time every day with Jesus. And Jesus is our model in this. When you read the Gospels, you see that Jesus over and over again spent time with his heavenly Father. In fact, he talked about how critical that was to his own success in ministry. He said, I could never do all that I do if it weren't for that relationship that I have with my Father. So if that's how Jesus felt, then probably we ought to make that a priority ourselves, unless you think you're better than Jesus. Just had to slip that in. So let's talk about prayer. Prayer is communication with God. It's as simple as that. It's listening and it's speaking to him. It's spending time with him just like you would with a best friend. Now obviously Jesus isn't here in the flesh, but that shouldn't make that experience any less real for you. Remember last week I taught that when we follow Jesus, the Bible teaches that the spirit of Jesus... The Holy Spirit lives in us, indwells us. So when we think about prayer, it's very important to understand, don't think about God as out there somewhere. Think about God as right here. Yes, He is omnipresent, but He lives in you. And he wants to talk with you. And he invites you to talk with him. We listen to him. And he leads us. He shows us what he wants us to do. He will reveal his will to us if we will listen to him. He'll be able to guide us as we live out our days. He prompts us. Sometimes he convicts us. Sometimes he just reminds us of how much we matter to him. He communicates his love to us. But in all of these ways, he wants to speak to us. We just need to listen. Another way that he speaks to us is through his word. And so... Again, the Holy Spirit who lives in us takes the Bible and applies it to our lives, speaks to us through this truth. So those are ways in which we need to listen to God. And I'm convinced in prayer that we spend way too much time talking to God versus listening to God. And I'm challenging us to listen more, speak less in our prayer. 
That's not to say that it's not important to speak to God. We speak to God our praises. We tell him how much he means to us, how much we love him. He invites us, as we did today, to just pour out our petitions to him, our needs, our pain, our hurt, where we are. He invites that. He invites our intercession, where we pray, speak to him on behalf of someone else, and invite his power to be at work in their lives. We make commitments to him. Usually that's the way my time with Jesus ends. After I've spent time listening to him, got a sense of what he wants me to do, and we are ready to launch into our day, I just say, okay, Jesus, I get it. I think I have the picture. I'm in. I'm going to follow you today. So all those things are ways in which we speak to him. All right, so go to uh, day one in this prayer journal, and I want to just sort of walk you through so you can get very comfortable with this journal because obviously we're hoping that you'll use it for the next 21 days. It's about five, de- five pages in. It just says day one at the top. You all have it. Um, first paragraph there says, whatever you have decided to do during the next 21 days, it's an offering to God because he is God. Jesus set the example for us to pray and fast. If we're faithful, God will be faithful. God will be honored, and he will help us spread the gospel and make disciples. Jesus started his ministry with a 40-day fast. And then you see these three scriptures, and there's a couple of paragraphs of explanation. Here's the thing I want to challenge you to do in terms of the Bible study aspect of this 21-day prayer challenge. And that is, don't just stop at the comprehension phase. When you read scripture, of course, it starts with trying to understand what is it saying, what is the meaning of it, but don't stop there. Go further and ask the question, so Jesus, what do you want to say to me today through your word? Put your name on it. Personalize it. Because again, God wants to speak to you. So, I challenge you to make that step of, of personalizing his word. So, that, that just, you know, it's not about just comprehending what the Bible says. It's about a relationship with Jesus. There's a big difference. And so, live in that relationship where he can speak to you through his word. And then uh, the third scripture there, you see Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I just want to forecast that the, the Beatitudes, uh, which are the blesseds that Jesus uh, gives us in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes are going to be sprinkled throughout all of these 21 days. So you're going to see those scriptures from here until the end. And by the end, you will have uh, studied all the Beatitudes. And so we're going to align our weekend services with that teaching. So for the next three weekends, Pastor Alex is going to be preaching out of the Beatitudes. So I want to just challenge you to come back for the next three weekends because the Beatitudes are such a wonderful picture of life in the kingdom and how we are to live 
so, uh, and that's why our title that you saw on the screen is Blessed, because we're going to live in the Beatitudes uh, here in January, okay? So then at the bottom of the page, there are some uh, suggestions in terms of your response to the Lord. There's going to be uh, intercession prompts daily, that kind of thing. So I just ask you to consider using this prayer journal as you pray every day, unless you have a template that works better for you. This is just a tool, okay? Remember, it's all about the relationship. So if you have a tool that works better for you, fine, go for it. But if not, uh, I would encourage you to use this prayer journal. Okay, so that's the prayer part. The next thing is to fast. We're asking that everyone will fast something. Now, lots of you have a lot of experience with fasting, and you know the power of it, but I'm sure there are people here today who really don't know what fasting is or why we do it. So for, for those folks, let me just take a little time to do some teaching about fasting. Fasting is doing without something in order to focus on God. A lot of times it's in the context of food or drink, but it could be anything that we abstain from for a period of time so that we can take our attention to the Lord, communicate our need to Him. Uh, fasting is a biblical concept. In the Old Testament, leaders, prophets called for a national fast at times. In the New Testament, fasting is mentioned a lot. In fact, uh, I just read in that uh, first paragraph on day one that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, one of the most understated scriptures in the Bible is this one right here. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. There you go. <laughs> Pardon my sarcasm. I just think that's a goofy verse. <laughs> of course he's hungry. But anyway. So, uh, so God calls us to fast so that we can communicate to him our need of him. Our dependence on him. That we can't do this without him. Jesus also taught about that we can fast in a wrong way. So I think that's important for us to look at. Let's look at that scripture from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees here. And look at what he says. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You see, the Pharisees made this big public deal out of fasting. It was a show of piety. They wanted everyone to see how devout they were. And so Jesus said, guys, that is completely the opposite of what fasting should be. Fasting is an act of secret humility. It's not some parade of pompous spirituality. So as we fast, we it's not a show. 
It's just between me and God. Okay? Now, we're not saying what you should fast. I'm not being prescriptive in that, but I do want to point your attention to the journal. Look on the second page. Uh, you see up at the top of the page it says fasting ideas. And you'll see that there are quite a few suggestions about what you could fast. Um, And then the next two pages after that are about the Daniel fast. And the prayer team wanted to put that in there just to help you understand that. And um, you you may want to consider that. But we're just asking you to just spend some time with the Lord saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? to fast. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will show you. And I believe that it will be a very, very good thing in your journey. So we're going to pray every day. We're going to fast something. And then third, we're going to find a prayer group. We're going to seek to do this in community. We have lots of groups around here. We have connection groups, and a lot of you are in connection groups, and I would challenge those of you who are in connection groups, use some time this next three weeks in your group to talk about this 21-day journey and encourage each other and pray for each other in this uh, prayer and fasting challenge. Some of you are in one-on-one discipling relationships. Others of you are in small group discipling relationships. Again, spend time in those those times uh, with those with your discipler or your mentor. Um, For those of you that are not in a group, we are going to create some prayer groups for you because we think it's really important for you to experience this in the context of community. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a kickoff for these prayer groups tonight at 6 o'clock. So all you have to do is just show up to Hawks Hall tonight at 6 o'clock, and Jerry and his prayer team will help you find a prayer group. Okay, now, I don't think all the groups are going to meet at 6 o'clock on Sunday night. I know of one group, Jeff and Mary Steen, my neighbors, are going to have a group on Thursday night out in our neighborhood in Fairfield Township. So, but just come tonight, and then you can figure out the best place to, uh, to meet uh, to have this prayer group experience. I just want to underline the importance of this. I am absolutely convinced that the best way we grow spiritually is in the context of accountable relationships. It is so motivating to have some brothers and sisters that I know love me, support me, are encouraging me in my walk with Jesus. And the accountability part is really important for me. When I'm in an accountability group and when I say to my three accountability brothers, guys, this is what I believe God is calling me to do, it's a really helpful thing for me to be able to really fulfill that because for one thing, I know the next time we meet, you know what they're going to ask me? So how are you doing in what you said you've sensed God calling you to do? Well, I want that pressure, that responsibility. 
I want them to hold me accountable. That helps me know that it's important. I need to follow through with that. And so, again, I would just say, you know, don't try to do this on your own. Let's, let's get into community and let's help each other um, for these 21 days and, and beyond. Okay? So that's the deal, friends. Pray every day, fast something, and do it in the context of a group. You all understand? Are you excited? I'm excited. I really am. I know that God wants to communicate to me his love for me, how much I matter to him. I know he wants to mold me into his character so that I can be more effective in serving him. And I know that's what he wants to do for you as well. And so I'm very, very excited about it. I think the timing of this is not coincidental in terms of this local church. You know, we're in this time of pastoral transition, and your elected leaders just in the next few days are going to be making some really important decisions about a new pastor. So if you ever prayed for your leaders This is an important time for you to pray. God has great plans for us. But we we need to get on board. We need to listen. We need to walk with him. And we all need to do our part to fulfill the mission he's given us. Well, as we close, I want to ask uh, Jerry Dockery, our prayer team leader, to come up and... uh, I really appreciate Jerry. He's a winsome follower of Jesus and a leader in a lot of ways, but he, uh, he leads this prayer team, and his group really is the one that's behind this. And so I wanted to give you a chance, uh, Jerry, to just talk to us, share your heart with us. Um, I've got a couple of questions, but before I ask those questions, do you have anything else you want to say? Because you know the questions I'm going to ask you. Right. I, I just want to uh, mention two things. Uh, number one, it would help us a lot if, uh, if you're planning on being here tonight to fill out the form. And, and even if you're not going to be out, uh, want us to help you get in a group, fill out the form so we have some idea how many people are really on board with this. Uh, not that it makes any difference to God, but it just makes us feel better, I guess. And what, what uh, do you want them to do with that? Um, well, you, there's three things to, you can check here that you're go- just going to commit to pray and fast with us during this emphasis. And if for no other reason than uh, what Dale just mentioned, just for this congregation at this time, that God would lead us and, and bless us, help us to be a blessing, help us to fulfill his mission. But uh, what I'm asking is, do you want them to leave it at the chair or give it to somebody? Or what do you want them? Do you want to take I, it up right I, now? Or I not? think that uh, I'll leave that to you professionals to uh, figure that out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just get them to us. Give it to another. I don't know what's what's planned. Well, let's let I I just know sometimes, uh, and if it's unclear, sometimes we don't do anything. So let's do this: uh, fill it out and just leave it at one of the exits. Just leave it there, and we'll get it that way. You don't have to tr- uh, chase somebody down. Okay. Right. Is that good. And then right. the, the the three responses are obvious. But uh, even if you're you're just going to do it at home on your own. Uh, Commit to pray and fast. We want to know that too. Uh, 
So thank you for that. The other thing I'd mentioned before, the two questions are, uh, you know, I, as I observe it, uh, we live in unprecedented times regarding prayer and fasting on a worldwide basis. I've never uh, seen so many calls to prayer, uh, calls to fasting. Uh, several of us from church uh, participated in a uh, prayer for the nation trip up to Columbus, and there were several thousand people up there. Franklin Graham was calling people to meet at uh, every state house in the state, and he had one, one day where he did that. Uh, just things like that that I've never seen before. And uh, if, if you are familiar with mission work, uh, missionaries want your prayers more than they want your money. They really are in spiritual struggles across the, country, across the world. And, uh, and prayer is how God does things. And, uh, and so, you know, it just, we're part of a, a big, big deal. It, it's, it's personal for every one of us. But, you, you know, this is, uh, this is a, a big thing across the world, a move of God around the world. Good. So uh, talk to us personally, <clears throat> if you would, about your, your journey, your relationship with Jesus and how prayer and fasting has been a significant help to you. Well, prayer has always been a, a pretty big part of my life. Uh, I was very fortunate that uh, when I was very young, uh, uh, my parents moved uh, to Indianapolis from southern Kentucky. Uh, my mother started taking me to the Nazarene church in our neighborhood. And so uh, when I was uh, five, six at the oldest, uh, I heard the story of Jesus. And I believed it. And I was just all in from the start. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of really good Sunday school teachers. Uh, they taught me about David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den, Joseph in Egypt, Abraham, Moses, John. I mean, you know, just all those stories, Old Testament, New, Peter, James, and John. And, uh, and they, they taught that you were supposed to actually apply those stories to your own life. And so what I learned is, from those stories and the way I was taught, is that uh, you always do your best for God. You, you just do your best. But when you get in a fix... Uh, or you need some help, you call out to God for help, which is the essentialist, most essential part of prayer. And so I did that, and God always seemed to come through. And I think I was sort of lucky that we were poor, because if you're poor, there's just more opportunities for God to uh, intervene in your life and bail you out. And if you live in a rough neighborhood, uh, there's always opportunities <laughs> for deliverance. <laughs> and, uh, and so, uh, you know, God, uh, he took care of me a lot. And it didn't just, uh, it wasn't just while I was a child, but, you know, in, uh, in high school, uh, you know, he, he just always made a way for me to avoid getting caught up into the various temptations that uh, high school kids get into. I mean, you know, it was the 60s, and it was a wild and crazy time. And yet God, uh, he always made a way for me. And uh, I think the bottom line is, uh, you know, I, I learned that, that God would come through if you sincerely ask him, and if you were trying to follow him. Uh, and, uh, and I saw this in my mom's life, too. My mother had nine brothers and sisters, so we had about a thousand cousins, it seemed like. And uh, if you've ever read the book, uh, this recent bestseller called Hillbilly Elegy, which talks about the trials of people from Appalachia moving into the cities and all of that, uh, I had a whole 
array of family members that uh, my mom was always taking somebody in, helping them out. And, uh, and so, you know, God took care of her prayers and, and that just, uh, something that's always stuck with me and it, it carried on, it carries on till today, you know, uh, regarding fasting. Uh, I think when I was uh, in my thirties, I read somewhere that John Wesley fasted two days a week till four o'clock. Uh, I think Wednesday and Friday or th- Tuesday and Friday or something. So I thought, well, I'll just do that. And so for several years while I was teaching biology, you know, I was fasting a couple of days a week till uh, I was done teaching and, and God really moved in our lives in that time. So I've seen prayer and fasting be a very positive and real, very real factor in affecting the outcomes of your life. Awesome. So what's your, what's your vision for us? You, you and your team have asked us to walk this walk. Talk to us about that. Well, <clears throat> obviously, as a prayer team, you know, our, our charge, uh, our goal is to try and uh, encourage people to pray uh, as much as we can. And this is all part about being obedient to Jesus. You know, the, the reason we're here is because Christ is our Savior. He's the Son of God. And uh, if you're going to follow Jesus... Uh, you really ought to find out what he taught and then try to do those things. And uh, I think uh, the three main measurable behaviors that he explained were helping the needy, praying, and fasting. And you use the one scripture there about fasting, but, you know, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, a big chunk of the Sermon on the Mount is how you help the needy, how you pray, and how you fast. And so we just want to be obedient to God. We want to utilize these things. We want to be diligent in serving him. And uh, the thing about helping the needy and praying and fasting is that he says, if you do these things quietly and privately, I'll reward you publicly. And we want our church as a group. We want God, uh, I'll say, I use the reward word reward but we want God to move among us we want to open the door for God to come into our lives as a group uh, we want to see miracles happen here um, we want to see people one to the Lord we want to see everybody in here uh, grow in their faith and we want to see our children and our relatives and our co-workers grow in the faith so the purpose of this book is uh, it it will just focus us in the same direction for 21 days. Uh, Not that the book's especially good or anything like that, but if we're on the same page for 21 days, at the end of the 21 days, we will have, as a group, prayed for, first of all, the flow of the book would be, we we get some personal things, we pray for ourselves, our family, our coworkers, but then as the week goes on and the month goes on, We'll pray for every ministry in our church. We'll pray for our children's ministry, our teens, the work and witness trips, uh, everything that our church is going to do. The outreaches to the needy, uh, God's threads, meet the need, uh, family promise, all of these things. Uh, you know, we're going to cover all those things. We're going to bring them up to God. And, and so the whole goal of this thing is just for us to grow as a congregation, grow individually, and just open the door for God to come into our lives in a special way that is going to impact the other 11 months of this year. Awesome. Well, thank you for your leadership, Jerry. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate that. Yeah.
The band is going to come up, and they're going to lead us in one more song. But I hope you feel like I feel. I'm excited. I'm anticipating what God is going to do these days as we seek Him, as we walk with Him. And, uh, you know, nobody can do your part. That's up to you. So let's worship Him.